Hi everyone, welcome back to A Cup of Cozy. My name is Oriana. And I'm Wanda. And today we have our long-awaited guest. He is our friend. He's our teammate at the ranch, Teammates for Life, Barry Beck. So we'd like everybody to welcome right now, Barry, you can say hello. Hi ladies, <laughs> good evening from Hong Kong. Yes, that's another fun fact is Barry is 12 hours ahead of us. So bear with any technical difficulties. He's a long ways away from us. Yeah, that's the worst part. So if you guys don't know Barry Beck, I can give you a little bit about um, not only a fan's point of view, but from a friend point of view. Uh, he's an eloquent speaker. You're going to enjoy this more than you'll ever know. He's funny. He's real. He's raw. He's lived in places like Colorado, Los Angeles, New York, and now in Hong Kong, and of course, all over Canada. So at this time, I would like you to welcome my dear friend and a person I admire tremendously, Barry Beck. So you can now give us a little info on yourself, Barry. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, thank you for having me on the show. And uh, I know your show is called The Cup of Cozy. <laughs> and I also found out that it is, it is National Puppy Day in, in America. So uh, I am ready to basically melt into my chair here if I don't get a lollipop or something uh, to uh, take take the edge off but um i am i'm looking forward to the show um i always like to talk especially with two women i think i connect more with women than i do with men and uh, that's sort of the way that's always been with me uh, maybe because i i get a little tired of talking about sports but i'm looking uh, forward to talking about some other subjects uh, tonight so we are going to get right into it um if you guys don't already know if you are a new listener or an old listener, all of us work together at a foundation called The Ranch Teammates for Life, which the idea was actually born between Barry and um, Mark Pavlich. So he can talk to you a little bit about that story. Barry, how did you and Mark have a conversation about The Ranch? Where did that idea come from? Well, this, this started almost two years ago, and I, I had a dream one night about Mark, and I hadn't seen Mark or or heard about him for 10 years or watched the miracle on ice or anything like that. So I didn't have him in my mind, but I had this dream that we were at a ranch riding horses, having fun. And we were waiting for our teammates and he took off on his horse. I started chasing them. And then the dream ended three months later on my Facebook newsfeed, uh, I saw that he'd been arrested in Minnesota from on four felony counts, one assault, and I think three weapons charges. So, so I was shocked, of course, like everybody else, and uh, wanted to try and find out what was going on. So I managed to contact his sister, Jean, and uh, then proceeded from there to really just lend support however I could. And we didn't talk about this dream that I had with Mark until later. I mean, really, I was just there to help support them and uh, try and get them through this this rough first part. As as we'll find out, there were many rough parts as we went along and also many joyous occasions, too. So during that time, obviously, and a question a lot of our listeners are going to be asking about today is you suffered a loss of your own during the time of helping get the ranch off the ground while reaching out to Mark. You suffered a loss. Would you like to talk a little bit about your son and what happened? Yeah. Yes, I'd love to. 
Uh, July 26th of 2020, um, received a phone call early that my, actually from my brother, that my son had been killed. And um, yeah, that was quite shocking and devastating to hear. You don't believe it when you first hear it. You think it's a mistake. So anyways, it wasn't a mistake. He had been stabbed to death and uh, they hadn't found anybody yet. And all I knew that I was going to get on a plane and fly back to Toronto, could take the 15-hour flight. And, uh, and uh, of course, I had to quarantine two weeks, so I wasn't able to be at the service. And I had a lot of time to think on, on that plane ride for 15 hours and what I was going to do when I got there. And he had been living, or, or he was living with his mother and uh, his mother's boyfriend, and and we get along. And the, my son had been home. This was in July, so he was home from university. He had just finished where he was studying mental health and recovery. And so he had finally found his direction, and we were very happy about that, because before that, he didn't have any direction. So... Going back to actually Binbrook, Ontario, it's about an hour and 15 minutes away from Toronto in southern Ontario, close to the city of Hamilton. And uh, so after two weeks of quarantine and a little bit of talking to the police, because they really couldn't talk to us too much about the investigation going on, I started to do my own investigation, started knocking on doors. I'm the, I'm the father. I wanted to find out what was happening. And I did gather a lot of information. And while I was there, I thought I was putting the pieces of the puzzle together, uh, names and numbers. And I had this feeling that I was, that I was right on the trail of the killers. And I didn't know what I was going to do. I had a lot planned out. First of all, to be honest, when I went back there, I was going to kill everybody that was anybody who was involved, and that's what I had on my mind. And uh, of course, I haven't been taught that by my mother. I grew up having having to go to church, and I I mean having to go to church by meaning she would drag me to church, and I would take uh, classes after Sunday school confirmed in the Anglican faith and and I'll get back to that after after a bit but so I found out a lot of what was going on and I met with police and the police had said that they had a direction and usually when they say that we had found out that that means maybe they have found somebody that they just can't prove it yet so after four months and this was a tough four months of waiting and uh, so uh, they finally made a big arrest. We got news from the police. Police called us, and they had uh, arrested four young men where they are in jail right now. Trial will take three to five years. So it's that was my only child. He was 20 years old. And uh, so it was... A depth of sorrow that I, that I've never reached before, and now I certainly understand of, uh, of how uh, 
a parent feels about losing a child. A mother is a complete different case, I feel. There's no love like a mother to a child. So, so my son's mother has been having quite a bit of, of trouble and we've tried to get her into grief counseling, but she's still not ready to go yet. So, so for me personally, you're going to struggle and, uh, it's uh, really, my faith has a lot to do with it. Now, for, pe for people who don't believe in God, um, there are steps that you can take. And the first thing is you, you really have to think about yourself. And you have to be kind to yourself. They'll say to live in the moment, to be able to talk about it. But you have this depth of anger inside you that you've never had before. Now, when I stayed back in, in Binbrook, Ontario, I stayed uh, in my son's room when I quarantined. And so I had this experience one night and that experience was, of course I didn't, I wasn't getting a lot of sleep in the first place, but I became overwhelmed with this sense of heat and energy about me. And, uh, and I believe it was my savior, Jesus Christ. And so this is what ha had begun my healing process for me was, was having my son's spirit close to me all the time. And that's what's happening right now. He's with me right here as we speak. So yes, God, God has played a big role in, in my, my healing and my recovery. And I would certainly point people in that direction, but there are also a lot of other steps that you need to take so that you don't fall into what we call is the black hole and substance abuse and, and a lot of other issues that will come along. So, so that uh, sort of, I came back to Hong Kong and, and I was able to fly to Vancouver before I came back and meet my friends, my childhood friends. And that was really a, a healing point for me. And it changes your life forever. So you have to live with that each day. You got to make a choice. How are you going to live that day? And are you going to live that day by acknowledging your son? and trying to leave a legacy to his name. And that's what I'm gonna do. That's my journey now. And that'll be my path forever until the day I die. That's not gonna change. And I love hockey. I've loved hockey my whole life. I still do. And um, so that, yeah, that happened while, while we were involved with Mark and our group, The Ranch. And uh, that, that's sort of where we are today, still moving forward with our ranch plans, teammates for life, and trying to build a facility on behalf of Mark Pavlich and the other players that have fallen before him, and not to forget their families also. That's very important to us. And healing is, is family to me. So... Hong Kong isn't that far away. When we 
you know, when I first came over here, I've been over here 14 years. When I first came over here, caught the 15-hour flight. Well, the first time I did it was a long flight. But the more I made it, the shorter it seemed to get every time. So it doesn't seem like anything now, uh, flying, flying, uh, going back to Canada or to the USA, back to New York or back to, back to Toronto, which is a 15-hour flight. But the healing and the struggling is what my life is about. And really being able to help other people understand that they can heal too and that they can do it. It's a big mountain to climb, but, but you can do it. If I can do it, you can do it. So that sort of brings us to where we are now. And uh, with the passing of Mark recently, that is so, I, I know how, how tough it is on, on Mark's family. And, and uh, after I'd heard he was arrested then and talked to his sister, Jean, um, you know, I, I started to find out a little bit more about Mark and how he had been acting maybe the past four years. And his wife, wife was killed in an accident at his home. And so, you know, he'd been through a lot of, uh, a lot of struggling as well. And um, while in New York, he sustained a bad con uh, concussion. Mm. I was playing with him at the time. And when he came back to play, he wasn't the same player. And he wasn't the kind of player who played outside the perimeter. He was the one who went into the corners to get the puck. It's usually the bigger guys that do that, but he was just such a kind soul. And, uh, you know, we just, we just miss him dearly. So my son gave me a gift. And that is the opportunity to be able to struggle well, which is a, which is a book uh, I've, uh, I've read by Ken Falk and uh, Josh Greenberg. Josh Goldberg, I'm sorry. And um, it's sort of a, a great book for me to read and a, a great read. And so you're going to find out a lot about yourself on this journey. And that's what it is. It's one step at a time and climbing that mountain each day. And that's what I do. I think you are a perfect example of overcoming two back-to-back -back gigantic losses. I mean, obviously losing your son in July and then Mark about three weeks ago and showing people that you don't have to go to a dark place. Yes, you will always love those people. You will always miss them. But wouldn't you rather honor their life than to go to a place that is so terrible. And a lot of the questions I was scrolling through uh, some of the questions that we had been getting. And a lot of the questions are, do you feel that losing Brock almost prepared you for any further loss in your life? Because nothing will really compare to the loss of a child. Correct. That's a good question. And, uh, yes, I mean, I, I, I feel that way. Um, that I feel like I am the one 
I am the messenger. And uh, I am the one that can help others because of what I've had overcome. And people like me can be doing the same thing, can be sending the same message. And we need to help those that can't heal because not everybody can. It's difficult if you think about a parent whose child has been kidnapped and they never, six-year-old child, they've never seen again for the rest of their life. Now, that's tough. But it's, it's the spirit for me. Like, as I said before, I have my son's spirit with me all the time. And uh, I choose to honor him rather than to take a different road. Right. And I think that is something that we would love to, even in the future, have you talk about, because I do think it's hard for people to initially make that choice to say, you know what, I want to get up every day and live my life with a purpose for that person. I think that's a very brave choice. And I mean, to have known you through the time of losing your son, through losing Mark, I have just seen you really become a person that is so not only at peace with things, but is able to say, I can help others through that. And I think you serve as sort of almost an ambassador in a way to looking up to this is the path you want to take. You want to take that path that Barry chose because it's easy. It's easy to, like you said, fall into substance abuse and going down a violent path. Those are very easy paths to choose. And I think inevitably you chose what some people would say is the harder path to live your life every day with purpose. Cause you do. Well, I think that my son Brock and Mark are connected. My son was studying mental health mm-hmm. and, and Mark was suffering from, from mental health issues. And uh, so, yeah, they're definitely connected. So I'm going to try and help them both. And uh, maybe at a future point, I can tell sort of my ideas moving forward besides the ranch. I think we can focus in on the ranch uh, at this point Mm -hmm. and just know that Mark wanted the ranch to become a reality, Mm -hmm. especially after me telling him about the dream. And we laughed, Uh, you know, I had many conversations because Mark didn't like to to talk to the press or talk to anybody. And uh, so when I told him in one of our first conversations, when he was in the mood from the jail cell to the psychiatric facility, that I said, people need to know your story. And he said, no, Bubba, you tell my story. And so that's what I started to do. do. And uh, I started writing and I'd never written the last thing I written was maybe a grade three love letter <laughs> that I hope doesn't doesn't surface anywhere. <laughs> um, but uh, he gave me that gift of writing, and I began to write, and I started started to fall in love with writing and our conversations. I really looked forward to them. I mean, I pretty well was calling him three three four times a week from Hong Kong. And, uh, you know, he wasn't in a good place. I don't think he should have been in there that long. Others might disagree with me. Um, 
but uh, I think now I feel that the connection between the two and and the ranch is a much needed place to go for not only ice hockey players and their families to get help, but for also for military veterans. I don't want people to to forget that because you know they they also suffer in silence and with PTSD, anxiety, depression. And uh, I mean, there's a long list of disorders that you can go through and, and uh, they need help. They need the right kind of help. They need the right curriculum at the facility to be able to help them. And they need the camaraderie. That is the biggest thing players miss. Mm-hmm. So the families of Todd Ewan and uh, Wade Belak, Derek Bogard, and Bob Probert, Steve Montador, uh, Rick Rippon and, and others, they deserve answers. And through them, and now through Gene and our group, it is something we're not going to stop at. I told Gene when I first talked to her the very first time, and nobody had called her yet. And uh, I told her, okay, well, I'm going to be in this with you right to the end. Right till we get the facility built and we get players going in there. We get veterans going in there. We get them the right kind of help that they need. And, and that's our journey. So in the meantime, I have spoken to other players that need help. So we may be on a referral basis at first, but we will get that facility built one way or another. One of the things I want to bring up there is my path to the ranch was very different than yours. Um, Mark has always been a favorite of mine because I have a wonderful memory of having attended the Olympics with my father. Um, My father didn't have a son, so I was his son and daughter. And he taught me everything I know about sports and love about sports. So my thrill was, of course, to go to the Olympics. They were in Lake Placid in New York with my father. Um, I met Mark several times throughout his life when he was at the Olympics, which I don't think people understand. Um, The Olympics was exciting, not just because the United States had won. It was treacherous there. It was freezing. Transportation was terrible. It was hard to get around. And the memory of spending that time with my father, who is now deceased, and becoming a part of the ranch, as I said, was a different path for me. I was enlisted to come to the ranch from Jean. In, um, in your Facebook post, you had fo- posted a Facebook post about Mark, and someone had gotten out of hand and was very detrimental, what I felt to his legacy, to the man he was. And I stepped up. And I, I never do that because it was your Facebook page, and I didn't want to step on your toes. But I took a, a path of saying, hey, stop. You don't know this man. You didn't play with him. And I got really aggressive. And then Gene contacted me and I got to the ranch. But what I want people to know is um, going through the loss of your son, it was something for all of us involved in the ranch to, it was gut-wrenching. It was gut-wrenching to watch you every day and see the suffering you had. And I will tell everybody, I was petrified to talk to you 
when we found the devastating news of Mark passing. I was so afraid that I would have to visit Barry again that was not the Barry I knew, only the Barry I knew that suffered. And I want to commend you for right away coming in positive and strong and we now have a real purpose to save those other players. And maybe we didn't save Mark's life, but we saved his legacy. And we are saving his family. And I think that because you just mentioned all those other hockey players and so many military people and others who suffer simply because mental illness is a stigma. It is not thought of as a real disease. We don't wanna talk about mental illness. It's not on the forefront. So what do you think is the first step for yourself, the people that you care about, and the ranch to come to the point of how do we get rid of this stigma? Well, I think it's it's the same way that we, we proceeded over the years with cancer. I mean, you have to be aggressive. You got to attack it head on. I like being around aggressive people. I don't like being around people that do a lot of talking and are, are of no action. I'd rather, I'd rather see action than talking. So that's what it'll be about. will be about awareness. It'll be about players coming forward that are in silence and suffering and their stories. And that's what will change it. You know, when you mentioned Mark Pavlich in, uh, in 1980, I was in New York then. And I was playing for the Rangers. So we were listening and watching those games intently. And the USA was in turmoil. Not that, not that things have been fixed yet. But, um, <laughs> you know, there was, I think there was like 75 hostages being held in, in Tehran. That, and Iran, that they had overrun the U.S. Embassy and taken hostages. So, I mean, that was, when they call it the miracle on ice. That really, it was one thing beating the powerhouse, the Russians, and then winning the gold against Finland. And uh, the masterful coaching of Herb Brooks. But it was it was getting the hostages released. So, and Mark was a big, big part of that. Big part of that. And, uh, yeah a legacy for his name, a legacy for my son's name, and a legacy for, for mental health. I call it respect mental health now. And that's sort of a, the slogan and tagline, tagline, tagline that I use because it's just not ice hockey players and it's just not military veterans. I mean, we're, talk we're, we're not even talking the general public here, which we should be talking about also because um, it affects everybody. It's one in four people. It's not one in five or six. So on a hockey team, well, I'll use the New, New Jersey Devils as an example <laughs> because, you know, I don't want to use the Rangers as an example, but that's, that's five five or six players on their team that have problems that they need addressed. And we're not talking about the front office or coaches or any, anything like that. So, so the, the NHL has done things uh, with their protocol to concussions. And so they are starting to address 
especially the past year, uh, mental health. And, um, and so I don't want to go down the road. You're trying to lead me to go down. So I'll, um, I'll sort of leave it at that. And they are addressing mental health and that's, and that's great. I mean, that's how it's, that's how this is all going to be solved is more people coming out and speaking about it. I mean, and you'll just, you know, you'll be seeing more stories on it on TV all the time. You'll be in the news. And uh, the same way as uh, we'll defeat cancer one day. It's the same way that we will defeat this stigma of mental health. I do want to ask you, Barry, what is mental health like in China, in Hong Kong? Are are they talked about? Are they talking about it? Um, do you hear people mention it in the same way? Are they as afraid of it as we are here in the United States? Well, living in a different country. Now, Hong Kong is much different than mainland China. Right. You know, Hong Kong is part of China, but it's in a special administrative region. So it's uh, very democratic. You're allowed to protest. You're allowed to protest on the streets. Whereas in mainland China, you, you can't do that. It's, uh, and as soon as you go over the border, you feel like you're going into an, uh, a different country right. when, you, when you go over the border from Hong Kong. So I talk about this quite a bit here. And uh, I don't see a lot about it on mental health and I think they do try to to push it to the side and so I'm hoping that with what is done overseas that they'll react to it especially especially our I mean we have a, a relationship with the Swedish Ice Hockey Association and they are one of the top countries in the world right. so they are starting to address mental health now okay. and here you know, we have a lot of 900 students in our academy when we have our, our um, full sessions are growing. They're just starting to come back now. And we have a primary high school league, but they let the, usually the counselors at school deal with it. And uh, they have a lot of problems here with mental health and, and suicide rate amongst high school students because there's so much pressure mm -hmm. on academics. Mm -hmm. it's, not, it's not sports here. Right. It's not a sports culture. There are no professional sports teams, so there's 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 no uh, mentors uh, as far as athletes. There are a few, mm -hmm. uh, but of course not as many uh, as there are in Western culture okay. or even European culture, for that matter. But you do know that China does have a lot of basketball players playing in the NBA, yes. and Mao Ying was the one who really open up those doors with all those other players in China. And uh, he's been a, a great ambassador uh, for, for basketball. And we needed to try and find a Yao Ming of hockey. And uh, it just wasn't pushed the same way as, a, as basketball. Now we got the 2022 Olympics, Winter Olympics, supposedly coming up in Beijing. And uh, the uh, of course, the Summer Olympics in Japan are still still on hold. We don't know if they're going to be happening or not, but I think President Xi will 
most likely have those Winter Olympics going on one way or another. But yeah, they need a lot of work on mental health and addressing that and the stigma of mental health here in Hong Kong as well. Um, do you believe that we'll see hockey players from China in the NHL anytime soon? Well, 10 years ago, I would have said yes. And now I'm a little more skeptical about it. Okay. That's one of the reasons why I came over here. There was no other NHL players when I first came here 14 years ago. And the NHL now came to China. They did exhibition games there. They ran some camps. But one thing that they didn't do was put in a learn-to-skate program to hit all of the masses. You know, there are 1.4 billion people in China. So instead of doing camps where there are hockey players, they should have been putting in a program to hit all of China. And that's, you know, when you, you deal in China with business or trying to make deals, you're in China. So, so it's like they're not going to let you get the upper hand on them right. in doing business. They'll, they'll let you come in and do business, but it's going to be 60-40 right. or somewhere like that. You're not going to have full control. So, and I do think they try to, as we mentioned earlier, sort of sweep mental health under the rug and not, not address it. Now I know some people in Hong Kong are uh, trying to address it more and more as, as it comes out and through the Western news. And, and a lot of people uh, rely on that, but the, the people really here, Hong Kongers, um, you know, don't get the right information. And, and I talked to my friends, uh, my young friends that I have here, and uh, yeah, it's a struggle for them. I, that's why you saw all the protests happening in Hong Kong yeah. against the government before COVID came here. Mm-hmm. So Hong Kong is a beautiful city. I mean, it is so adventurous, and it's over 300 islands here, beautiful beaches, beautiful colored water, hiking, and then you have the excitement of being like in New York City, 24-7 it goes. That's the way that it was before the protests and COVID. And it certainly damaged uh, an international world of retail. I mean, that's what Hong Kong is known for, shopping and finance. So we're struggling to get back on, on its feet, just like everybody else is right now, going through some, some vaccination problems uh, right now. I've had to cancel a few appointments. Oh, you, uh, you, so, don't, even, you don't even know what too. we've gone through. <laughs> us too. Yeah, it, it's I'm still... Still trying to get my first shot because we had a, had a problem with Pfizer, um, something to do with the packaging and some of the vials were left open. And oh. So now we'll go back and see, see what they do and see what the news now. Uh, because, of course, we have Easter coming around. 
Passover coming around. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's, it will be a, an emotional Easter for me this year. And thinking about thinking about Christ and thinking about the opportunities that I have now to change my own life with the passing of my son, with the passing of Mark. Those are two opportunities that you're not going to get very much in life. And to not make something of them would be would be a big disappointment. But to come out the other end stronger, bigger, better than you were before is an accomplishment that not too many people can say. So, and I've got to, to help others that I know need help. So that's what starting my own website will do. That's what the ranch will do. They'll be linked together. And um, and that's my journey. That's my path. It's not going to change. Not in any way. Right to the end. And I think that's amazing is that you have such a clear view of where you want to go. And I think that's obvious every time you know, you and I, or you, me and my mom have a meeting, you always have the same idea, the same goal. And I think every day you work towards that goal. And if there's something I think that we would love people to know about you is you are very dedicated to this and you are very passionate and very knowledgeable about all the undertakings that you have right now with your son, with the ranch. And I think you will help a lot of people and I know, too, a lot of people talked about um, during the pandemic, because I think you you went through COVID hit in Hong Kong before it hit here. And people talked about, because of having to quarantine and stay away from people, how that was affecting people's mental health. And I thought for a little bit, maybe people will listen now, because it's affecting all of us. Globally, we all had to stay away from our family, stay away from our friends, not go to work. And I was thinking maybe that will be the thing that brings the mental health crisis to light. And I mean, here, um, especially in the United States, there were some resources that were given about, you know, if you're struggling with certain things during this time, but then once things started to open up and get better, it was like, oh, okay, everything's fine now. So did you guys have that over there too? Was that a worry about people having depression and stuff being in quarantine and how are things with covid where you are right now well we're you know we, we've been pretty good past couple of weeks we're down in about the 10 or 11 cases a day oh wow, wow uh, that's wonderful so so we're doing for a city of eight million wow. uh, we're we're doing pretty good we're sort of at the the end of our fourth wave now so restaurants are open till 10 o'clock and uh, so that'll that'll be pushed up pretty soon. We'll go to twelve o'clock and then tables of eight, and uh, then that'll bring back live music, and then and then you'll start to see a big change. Mm-hmm. As long as there are no slip ups uh, with the vaccine anymore, <laughs> right. uh, because with the Sinovac, some people were getting sick and. And then people are waiting for the Pfizer, and now there's problems with the Pfizer. So 
And a lot of people from Hong Kong don't have the money to travel. So they're not even interested in getting uh, uh, the vaccine at all. Mm -hmm. So, because you will need it to travel for sure. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's, there's no doubt. Um, but yeah, yeah, Hong Kong has struggled the past couple of years. And uh, like I said, it's my home. And so I have to try and help here too. I mean, I, I know I'm trying to help overseas and, and doing it from here can be tough sometimes because I'm doing it as we're doing it right now. Um, so I will look for other ways and sort of invent new ideas and bring people on board, younger people besides myself that have the same aggressiveness and want to see change and and especially when we talk about the stigma of mental health. I think really it's affected the whole world through COVID. That's one thing that's been brought to everybody's attention. You brought up a very interesting point, Barry, and I just want to go back to it for a second. Um, being a spiritual person myself and very much believing in how the universe plays out. I believe everything happens for a reason. I think we have a path. We're given choices in those paths and how we take them is our final destiny. Um, for some reason, when you, you said that Mark and your son are related, you sparked something in me that made me think that maybe you can tell everybody somehow the afterworld is connected to us. And I do believe that Mark and your son are very well connected. And although we, you personally had to go through a tragedy, and those of us at the ranch went through these tragedies as well, I believe it was all of our paths to come together to the ranch. We all had a very strong purpose for being there. And I believe we are the select people that were brought on that path through Mark, through your son, to connect, to do better to bring this all to the forefront. And I think you talking about your faith and me talking about spirituality should let people know that although things are difficult and the road is really tough sometimes, there is a greater purpose. And we had to go through those tragedies to bring joy, to bring people better things. And I think it was really interesting when you said that, it hit me right away mm -hmm. that you know, I strongly believe I, I lost two parents and you never think about losing your parents. Like they didn't teach me how to lose them. They taught me how to be so many things, but not how to lose them. But I believe just like you, they're with me every day and they guide everything. And I always talk about how far my father took me in life and my mother and that my father would be so proud to see I'm doing something for someone that was an Olympic hero that he loved. So I think people need to look at you as such a good example. And I am humbled every day and, and thrilled every day to be your friend and to work on this project. But I do believe sometimes people need to accept the fact that tragedy happened to take them to a place where they can truly make a difference. Yes, well, I, I certainly agree, especially that humility is your salvation. And that the, the doors of 
of God's kingdom will be open to you. And, and really, I didn't believe it when I was younger. When I was a kid going to those Sunday school classes, it, I have experienced it, not only with the death of my son, uh, but what happened to me when I was in his room. And so, yeah, I do believe that's one of the reasons why I came uh, to, to Hong Kong was uh, to experience the, the spiritual side of my life. And I was ready for that. And I've learned a lot about that. And I do believe in the afterlife. I do believe there is something else waiting for us. Or there wouldn't be such a beautiful thing as the birth of a baby boy as my son when I held him in my arms. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to talk about that uh, another time uh, because I have some other people that feel the same way. And I'm sure there are thousands of other people. Uh, and uh, and so, like I said, this is a this is a big weekend. Good Friday next week, and uh, so I'll be thinking. Uh, I'll be thinking of my Savior Jesus Christ. So um, I'm going to just ask you a couple of questions, and then we're going to do sort of a rapid fire with you to sort of close out everything for today. But the number one question that I have been asked today and through Facebook and Instagram is, what is one of your favorite memories that you shared with Mark? Well, besides uh, him as a player, first, first meeting him as a player and really, you know, not knowing anything about him and then knowing what that team went through because I played against the Russians. I knew how good they were. The NHL all-star teams were not beating them at the time. So for, for him, when he came waltzing into the range Ranger, um, you know, he wasn't anything like I thought he was going to be. I mean, I thought, I thought those guys would be, yes, certainly humble because we had already had Herb as a, as a coach and we knew what kind of coach he was and that, he was driven to success and Herb was consumed with hockey 24 seven. And, uh, and I know that he loved Mark. Um, but I think learning about Mark's personality, his passion for music and the outdoors of hunting and fishing and, and a lot of hockey players are brought up that way. They're brought up on farms and most of them aren't from the city. Most of them are from the country. And they're usually strong country boys. So they, they love all that. And uh, and at that time, Sonny Werben, who was the man behind the Rangers, wanted everybody living in Manhattan mm -hmm. and being on page six of the Post and getting lots of news a la Ron Dugay. <laughs> and, and, you know, we love the Gresh and I and Dugs and Espo and Donnie Murdoch in the beginning. We all loved it. Uh, living in the city, and it was a it was a great life. And the guys who lived have lived with uh, Rail Ratslana, and uh, so they were 
they were an odd couple. Rexy didn't speak much English. Pav didn't speak much. So, but you had to understand them. People will say, some teammates have talked to them and say, well, you didn't even talk to me. I said, well, because you didn't understand them. So, and I think that's something that can be learned is a lot of people, we don't understand, but there's a lot more to the gift than what you think. And so, so I said, be, be open, be open with people and talk to them. She start up conversations, make relationships. We're human beings. That's what we're all about. And we're all about love. Right. And I, I, I love that message. And I think a lot of our listeners, new and old, will love that. We have to make those human connections because I think without that, I don't know what we would be as people at this point. Um, and before we get into our little rapid fire game, what would you like everybody to know about the ranch right now? What do we need at the ranch to garner some sort of support? Obviously, donations are going to be a huge factor moving forward. But what would you like people to know about the ranch? Well, first of all, our group. Our, you know, in the beginning, we had I had a lot of hockey players put together. And, uh, and then when the word CTE crept into the conversations, a lot of them started dropping out especially the ones that worked for NHL teams because CTE, you just don't mention it. And uh, <laughs> that's another stigma, uh, a whole nother thing altogether uh, that I need another show to talk about. But uh, <laughs> um, what was I talking about? Sorry, I forgot. <laughs> that's okay. You were just talking about what, what do we need what does the ranch need right now? What would you like people to know? Oh, oh yeah, I'm talking about, I'm sorry, I was talking about our, okay. our group of, of, you know, of, uh, of Clint Belarchuk. And uh, we had players that were dropping out. And finally, at the end, the only ones that were, were left were myself and Clint Belarchuk. He used to play for the Sabres. Then he got into goaltending coaching. And everybody knows, really knows him from getting the really terrible. Uh, cut that he got in his throat and cut his jugular vein and he was able to survive that and uh, and Tom Gorns who I played against when he played for the Flyers he, he hung in there and uh, and then we have a couple of guys that think they are hockey players with Chuck <laughs> and our good friend Ken Falk also they like to tell their hockey stories Clint and TJ and I, we don't get to tell any hockey stories because they're too busy telling theirs. So, so we, you know, with what you're left with are the best. And they're the ones that are going to make things happen. So, you know, those other players, I, I admire all those guys and I respect all those guys. And they dropped out and I understand that they make their livelihood working for NHL teams and, and that's the way it was and that's the way it is. So I, you know, harbor no ill feelings towards them whatsoever. If anything, I respect them more for being able to make their decision. And that's something that we can do as men, uh, uh moving forward because I know I'll get a chance to talk to them. And that's one of the things that we'll talk about, but the group that we do have, is a is a powerful force and 
You know, we've we've been dealt a tough blow by losing Mark. And so we're recovering from that, and then we're going to push hard again because I'm not going to stop and the others aren't going to either. I know you two aren't going to or or Elise and, and, and everyone else. And Jean, you know, she's been a powerhouse all through this. And I really admire and love her a lot, uh, Mark's sister, Jean. And she's sort of been the strength through all this. And so we are going to make this happen. And when people believe in something, you know, I always, always would tell my son, I said, just believe in something and then become really good at it. Don't chase the money. The money will find you. You just find your passion and then you develop that craft and then you'll be okay. You'll be happy. So, so yeah, I think about Mark and I think about my son every day and they're with me every day. And I'm really happy about that. I have, I, I do have some t- times, some days where, yeah, I'm, I'm going to struggle, um, but I know what to do. And I know what steps I need to take. I need to be kind to myself. Um, so, you know, this conversation that we've had has been a good chance for me to tell people what I said in the beginning really is if I can overcome it, anybody can overcome it. I'm a, I'm a strong individual and I may get knocked down, but I'm not going to stay down. So, and I can help others achieve their goals too by lis- by listening to the message. And that message is that you can over- overcome trauma. And that can be any kind of trauma. So, may not be losing a son. It may be something else. In my case, it was losing my son. And then losing a very, very dear friend and a, and a teammate. So, uh, what we are going to do now is we are going to go into, just to lighten up everything. Um, are we getting to the fun part now? Yes, we are getting part. to the fun part now. Also, but... I want to mention our dear friend, Ash. Who um, you? Oh, oh, yes. I, I do Dr. Want to Ash. Ash, Doctor Ash. Um, I thought he needed me, and I found out very fast that this is a, a young man that got involved with the ranch, and I want to mention him because I thought he really needed us, and he seemed to, but it became very clear we needed him. Um, Ash writes me every day. He's a very positive source to me. He gives me good, fun messages. He sends me beautiful pictures of sunrises and sunsets. So I want to mention that um, Ash has a lot of knowledge about a lot of things. He also came on board to help our teammates for life. And um, he's also going to be a wonderful, wonderful addition. So I hope that everybody through this will understand that the ranch is not just going to be for hockey players or athletes or even just the military. The ranch is going to be a place, hopefully, we can bring together anybody and everybody who needs our help. And with that being said, I'm going to give Barry a quick little bunch of, he's going to rapid fire me back with some things I think not only people want to know, but the ladies. 
Is this the dating part? Should we put in like a phone number or something? <laughs> or should we link your Facebook? Should we link your Facebook? 1-800-GET-BERRY. 1-800-GET-BERRY. Okay, so these are just fun. And um, you can take as long or as little time as you'd like. Vanilla or chocolate? Chocolate. Boxers or briefs? <laughs> briefs. Blondes, brunettes, or redheads? Brunettes. The beach or the mountains? Mm. I'd have to say the beach. Tequila or scotch? <laughs> well, I love my tequila. I but know. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm only, I'm only allowed to say one thing. Okay, tequila. Tequila, okay. <laughs> Did you want to say something about scotch? Uh, no. <laughs> no. No, I think I'll just leave it like that. Taking you back to America, burgers or pizza? Thin crust pizza. Ooh, okay. Good answer. Good answer. Ready for this one. Boobs or butts? Butts. Islanders or devils? Who would you rather play? Well, it was more, it was more exciting playing out on the island, of course, in the early 80s against the Islanders, and they had the great, great teams that they did. But then the Devils also became a powerhouse for a couple of years. And, but I would say Long Island. Okay. Rock and roll or R&B? Mm. I would fuse the two together. Uh, <laughs> I, I love music, so R&B. Okay, and our last one. It's the future. You can dwell anywhere. Would you pick under the sea or outer space? Outer space, man. <laughs> outer space. Um, anyway, to conclude this, I think you all see, as our, our listeners that are here all the time and those that just joined us, Barry is an engaging, amazing man, not only for his career and his fortitude, his strength and his perseverance. As I said, I am humbled and honored to call him friend. I am humbled and honored every time he talks to me because he's just a wealth of knowledge. He makes me feel like I have sort of, I don't know, the best friend anybody could have from the National Hockey League. I scored big. I think you all scored big today by seeing this wonderful interview that we had with him. And I will let Oriana close us out. Yeah, so we want to start by saying thank you so, so, so much. And we would love to have you back. And lots of our listeners would love to have you back. So maybe as things continue to go on with the ranch and as you develop more with um, your fund for your son, we would love to have you back. And we thank you so much for being here with us today. Um, like my mom said, I feel, especially I'm the newest person to the ranch. I came here later than everybody else. Um, I am so lucky to now know you and to be a part of your path and your journey. And I'm so proud of the person that you are. And I am very also lucky to call you a friend. So we thank you so much for being here. Um, and thank all of our listeners, new and old. I know we got a bunch of hockey listeners because of you promoting the podcast the podcast will be available to stream everywhere you stream podcasts, as well as on Monday. This will also be available on YouTube as well, and I'm going to post this to my IGTV. 
Um, Barry, would you like to plug your social media? Do you have social media you want people to add you on? You can never well, I'm, I'm, on, friends, I'm on Facebook Barry. and Instagram. I think I, I think I'm Barry Bear Barry Beck 5 on on Instagram and uh, <laughs> I, I I use Facebook and uh, I don't get involved in Twitter too much. But um, yeah, I, I'm I'm looking forward to my own my own website, which will be called Fallen Stars, and uh, and uh, I'd like to that use that as a platform to. To reach a lot of people uh, uh, discussing mental health, and I, I, I love the arts, and I love being creative myself. And I hope it, that the website is not only uh, not only uh, a bit of apparel and a bit of of art, uh, um, but again, it sends a it sends a powerful message, and. I say it, and I've said it before many times, and that is love conquers all, and I'll continue to say it, and and that's the way that it is with me. So for me, you know, you, you, you both have said some very kind things uh, about me and towards me, and and I am I am very uh, very proud of both of you two for really being a source of strength for us when we become weak and and that happens when you're in a group you all have a different role to play and we all need to lean on each other and uh, that's that's the same in family structure and that's the structure that we have so that we will continue to remain strong so i have a i'd love to talk a lot about hockey i don't even think we talked about hockey tonight did we <laughs> Uh, I don't. I don't think we did. I think that's when I got confused that one time. <laughs> forgot about, it. or I said I was confused. Sometimes and, it's uh, okay to but, but but I'd love to talk about hockey, and you know I know we talked about some pretty serious subjects tonight, and uh, but I do love to laugh. I try and laugh every day. Um, I, I I try to wake up that way and look at the day like that and approach it like that doesn't work like that then I just keep trying so uh so that's sort of part of my personality is I like to have fun I like to be aggressive I like to go after things when I want something I I I don't take it but I, I try and do what I need to do to to accomplish and I like setting goals no matter how small the goals are uh, to achieve them, sometimes they're small, sometimes they're big. But achieve or, or set goals for yourself. Uh, I like people who do that, and I like to surround myself with people who like to try and try and hit those goals. So, yeah, this has been a uh, a good time for me, uh, especially talking with you two and being able to open up about my son and Mark. And I hope we can have further discussions about it and answer some other questions from any of your listeners. And I'd be more than happy to come back on the show again. Well, thank you. Well, we would love to have you. So at this time, we'd like to thank everybody for joining us. Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast. Um, and also, please follow the Ranch Teammates for Life on Facebook. Please like the Facebook page. Um, and we will also link any of the stuff that Barry does in the future because, like he said, 
his foundation with his son and Mark will always be tied together. So all information will be posted on there. So thank you so much again, Barry. And until next time. We thank all of our teammates for life at the ranch. We thank Barry most of all, and know that Mark and Barry's son, Brock, will remain in our hearts and our thoughts each and every day. And we'd like you to hug someone today, even though it's the COVID, hug someone in your house and remember how precious life is and it's gone in a moment. So till next time, stay cozy.